Let's spread a song so you can sing along with my special guest star two. You like to sing and dance, and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you. everyone, welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John, and with me today is the most popular girl ever. It's Matt Koplick, everyone! Oh, that was Teen Witch. Teen I thought Witch. you were being mean to me for a second. No! <laughs> I was Well, like every hot popular girl, do you watch The Office? Have I haven't, Office? no. Okay. Kelly Kapoor, played by Mindy Kaling. Has, okay. There's a whole bit where she comes in and she got all dressed up for her birthday and no one said anything. And she says, you know, sometimes I think people are really mean to the hot popular girl. And that's what this is because, John, you have sent me something that I don't know what I did to deserve this. Yes, yes. And today we're here to talk about Cop Rock. Yeah. Finally. This is Finally. the first time I've come on the podcast and talked about something I don't like. Oh, oh. Oh, shit. And see, this is why I trusted you with this one, because not only you, you can understand camp, which there is some camp in this. I'm not going to lie oh, to you. Sure. But like, I've seen your Instagram stories where you give reviews on things. So like you can formulate your own opinion on it. And like, yes, you've probably been heard that this is the most like a terrible show and like it killed the musical TV genre for a while until Glee showed up, whatever. But like, I feel like you would be able to come on here and be like, no, this is why it's terrible. And I, and I can back it up with X, Y, and Z, not citing a source. You come in with your own. Thank you. Also, I've been on this podcast how many times? And like, now you're like, you know what? I have a feeling Matt can state an opinion. Um, no, I, I know you can state an I, opinion. I'm being a bitch. So I will say, so John lent me his DVDs of Cop Rock. It's, <laughs> it is a full 11 episodes. That's how long it lasted in the US of A. And I have watched six of the 11. You You couldn't finish it? I did not have enough time in the last week to sit down and really plow through it all. And then when I got to episode five, I was like, I don't think I can bring myself to watch this. I might watch the rest after we re- finish recording just to see what happens next, which, you know, spoiler alert, I'm assuming is nothing because not a lot actually happens on this show. Everything and yet nothing happens. And it is bonkers and yet also incredibly dull. Like so much of the... Okay, so for anyone who doesn't know Cock Rock, it was a TV show. I don't want to say it killed the musical TV genre. It was, I think it was supposed to start it. And it, ne- and like, it became a stillbirth. Uh, Te- like, technically, fame started it. Because fame guess. was right before this. But did Was fame non-diegetic singing? Or was it all performance stuff? Because mm. with Cock Rock, it, they're not performers. They're just like breaking out into song. Okay, performing arts high school, so I feel like it was always performance. Pieces. I think it was all performative. I didn't, I haven't seen the series, uh, but if it's anything well, like the movie, it's all performative. Well, and one of the actors from the movie of Fame is is in, in this. And do you know who's also in Cop Rock, John? Speaking the, of things I love, um, what's her Gilmore name from from Gilmore Girls? She played Jess's mom. Yes, not her though. That's not not the not the crack whore. I'm talking about the main cop woman, Quinn. Yeah. Officer Quinn, her name is Anne Bobby, formerly Anne Marie Bobby, the original Robin Gibson in Smile. Oh 
my god it took me all of the pilot to just all of the pilot i was going that looks like Anne marie bobby and then they got to the credits and it says Anne bobby i was like oh so we think we're gonna be famous for cutting the marie (laughs) well so let me give a little backstory before we go way too deep into this um cop rock created by steven bochco and william m finkelstein uh a opening credits song by randy newman and Music and, and lyrics. Starring, opening credits starring Randy starring Newman. Randy Newman. And then <laughs> the, uh, music and lyrics throughout the whole series is any combination of the following writers. Mike Post, Stephen Geyer, uh, Brock Walsh, Amanda McBroom, Donald Markowitz, Greg Edmondson, Ronald Boosted, Kathleen Whitehout, Jim Wilhout, and Harvey Estrada. Uh, the sure. first ep- the first episode premiered September 26, 1990, and the last episode premiered December 26, 1990. Mm-hmm. 11 episodes later. You want to know what's great? So I, was, I did some research on this. There was a New York Times article about Cop Rock when it was on the air. About how, because the guy who created Cop Rock was a like major TV creator. He did Hill Street Blues. He would go on to do NYPD Blue. Very big on like the cop shows. but And like very successful ones critically acclaimed winning emmys like running for years so this was supposed to be like another one of his triumphs and there was an article in the times when the show was still on the air about how it was struggling to find an audience and the point of view of the article isn't like of course it's struggling to find an audience this show is insane no the the (laughs) article was like it actually got pretty good reviews and like the general consensus is that the show has gets better every week like they are figuring out how to make it work and yet they can't find the audience and i'm like i'm sorry what were we still rolling from cocaine from the 80s circa september 1990 because in no way is the show getting more confident it's getting, I mean, confident in the sense where they start giving fewer fucks, but not confident in the sense where, like, we have a handle on the genre. Matt, can I just jump to the last episode real quick? Because sure, what happened to the last episode, baby. So, so away, honey, boo boo child. So, like, um, what's his nuts? Officer, New, not New Yorker, the one that's being put on trial. One who shot off, the dude. The one who shot the dude gets off scot free. Um, because this show loves cops. That okay, cop rock. Uh, um, but in the in the last, I want to say ten minutes of the last episode, they break the fourth wall, and it's the two actors just sitting there, being like, "I can't believe they canceled us." Yeah, you know, I only sang one song, and the uh, the another guy's like, "No, you sang two songs. It was the this one and that one." And then they they bring the whole cast out to sing "We'll Write Again." The very last number and they're like it ain't over to the fat lady sings and then they bring a plus-sized woman down from the sky on a swing and she's wailing and it's like okay we get it you guys are just like go fuck yourselves was this the precursor to this is me i <laughs> okay so no, when did you that is absolutely insane it ain't over to the fat lady sings and then they do that How... they bring a fat lady in yeah you just know that th- it's so clear that this show was written by four straight white men who l- are like, I like musicals. I saw Chorus Line once. It's okay. So here's the tea, y'all. This show, <laughs> for the most part, is any procedural cop drama you've ever seen. Yes. Like it's, which also, but also, 
boring. Like a lot of the plot lines are just stupid and and don't go anywhere or like there's no real drama and a lot of the acting is bad. I love Miss Bobby. She's bad in this show. Her act oh, she's yeah. always like whisper talking with like dead face, like cause as if cause she's a stage actress and it's as if someone came up to her and it's like film is all about being quiet and not over emoting. So just like, go in. And I'm like, no, you, Miss Bobby, you need emotion still. But so it's always like just people talking about like cases they're arresting or like it's all stupid and then every like 10-ish minutes a big bold number comes in that has nothing to do with anything and we've talked about this you and I John about musicals and what makes them click or at least good ones is that songs are supposed to come from emotions and the emotions have to be so strong that you burst into song right like you need circumstances that allow singing to make sense these are not circumstances where singing makes sense weird in a way because with cops like it's a lot of life or death situations but a lot of the singing comes like not in the dramatic moments it comes like either after they've made an arrest and the homeless are going around being like you can't arrest us or they're like in the offices and bobby's husband is like i think she's cheating on me (laughs) or he has a song at the gym where he's like i don't like being overweight (laughs) and everyone else in the gym is like you will like being fit one day and and then it turns into olivia newton john's physical (laughs) but not nearly as good all or not as gay (laughs) still gay gay, but not as gay not as gay (laughs) also can tell when it's a randy newman song by the way because it's always like roly-poly-oly toy story songs randy newman only did the first episode he there are there's got to be two after the first episode that he did there's one in like episode four that sounds so newman nope are you sure yes he only wrote because i rewound made sure to check all the fucking names every episode i only did the first, I think the other I writers, Allison. I think the I other think writers I, tried to be him. I think there's a major cover up. Listen, <laughs> they, the producers of Funny Girl want you to believe that Leah Michelle was hired after opening night and not contacted <laughs> before opening night of Funny Girl. So any lie out there is possible. People lie all the damn time. I bet you anything, Newman wrote a song and they're like, oh, well, we said we were going to do different composers every episode, but we like this Newman song. Let's give it to so-and-so and just tell them that Mark Pushebush wrote it. <laughs> Mark we'll we'll like, just, we'll just rearrange the names, the letters around in Randy Newman's name and come up with uh, so, something else. Randy Brock Newman Walsh. Won, <laughs> Randy Newman won an Emmy for his work on the pilot. <laughs> that song where Jess's mom sings to her baby about Sandman. how she, then man, go to sleep, baby girl, while I sell you for 200 bucks, which by the way, that entire song, it's clearly a doll. And she is just saying like, go to sleep, go to sleep. I'm like, your baby's not moving. Your baby's probably dead. Or <laughs> if it's already asleep, like stop telling her to sleep. She's doing it. And and then she comes back like six episodes later and wants her back. <laughs> yeah, I want my baby back. I, I, I sold her for 200 bucks so I could get the drugs. She never, the, she, they all, the show also is like, has no idea what people who have, addiction are going through they they are not uh they have no idea like what actual homelessness is no. about it's no and like I, the the thing about this show is to pontificate about it which is crazy so jess's mom comes out and she's like i sold my baby for drugs and i'm trying to get off the drugs but i need the money for the drugs but i want the drugs but i shouldn't have the drugs i'm like which drugs there's which you sound like you which sound like you want she sound when she talks the way that Jess's mom talks about the drugs is the way that stupid Broadway people talk about Broadway like it's a person. 
So like when K-pop closed and everyone was like, way to go, Broadway. And I'm like, there's no Mr. Broadway that's closing down K-pop. <laughs> Just like there's no the drugs that you're on. You're on a drug or multiple, but say the damn names. Say their names, Jess's mom. Oh, so you didn't see Loretta Devine show up yet. Loretta Devine shows up? Yep, she plays a what juror. Oh my, wait, that fucking song when they're like, he's guilty. The oh. judge is like, he's guilty. No, 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 later later in the season. Okay. She she sings the song Reasonable Doubt when it's um, Sir Marinara Sauce. I don't remember his name. We're going to call him Marinara Sauce because he's so Italian. Um, oh, yeah, the one who shoots the dude. Yes, yes, yes. Peaks. Yeah, she's in the jury for that. And they have, um, you see them talking about the verdict and she talks about reasonable doubt because it's like because that's the whole point of this trial is like he clearly killed somebody because this person killed an, his another cop yeah and so uh, th- what's w- also wildly fascinating is that this is before rodney king um mm-hmm. and all the the uh, um what happens after he gets arrested murdered i can't remember my brain's not working right now um <laughs> arrested or murdered one of the two <laughs> hold on let me look it up i'm gonna edit this well, so the, i think the officer's name is officer campo i believe uh, uh played by david Gian- no that can't be right who's the officer who shoots the dude um uh, um uh crap what's his name they say his name every andy campo no, um, LaRusso. LaRusso is LaRusso. La that's right. Because yes. he, if you look on his IMDb, he clearly plays cops everywhere. Yes. Um, he also, Peter Onorati, he also, by the way, plays the wrestling coach at NYU in season four of Sex in the City. He's dating Samantha for an episode, and he's the dude she loses her orgasm with because she is not properly processing Miranda's trauma and grief of losing her mother. So they have a whole sex scene where Samantha and he are together and she cannot make it to the finish line and he has a he has one line which is i have to pick my stuff up by the uh from the cleaners by five it's great so i was 100 percent wrong on every every front rodney king was beaten by lapd mm. in on march 3rd 1991 so literally three months after this show ends is when um the uh Rodney King protests and happen but like this show does tackle that the police brutality and police racism yes how well is question is another question like all the topics that they that they touch upon crack whore on drugs well sorry drug whore on drugs um (laughs) yeah we cannot say crack whore because that's too specific drug whore on drugs domestic abuse all these other things that you see on like Law and Order and all the other cop procedural shows that are do it better. Um, they do tackle and they, I'm going to give them an A for effort on this one. Cause like they tried and it was an idea that somebody else had to be like, let's do a cop procedural musical show. And Stephen Bochco was like, good idea. It was 32 years ago and 32 years ago. I don't think a lot of people were tackling this to begin with. So the the very fact that they had it in their brains is something. But again, because it is a cop show and the point of view is supposed to be pro-cop, they don't really delve into it as well as they could, or as anyone could, I would argue. Because with him, with LaRusso, for a few episodes, they do kind of hint at the fact that he's not 
great. Like he he's he's toxic, he's awful. But then like when he gets out of jail and then fucks his lawyer, uh, they go in this whole path of like, okay, we gotta pitch you this as this American hero, which again, like great commentary. Like that's it's it's self-defense, which is a total lie. We saw what happened. It was not in self-defense. He just he he thought of himself as like Clint Eastwood and Dirty Harry. And the reality is that he shot a defenseless man. And there's that scene in the radio station. This is the last episode I watched. And it's very much on my brain. He's in the radio station and the caller's oh. coming in and it's like, well, he's black. Would you have shot him if he was white? And he keeps trying to be moral, but like, I don't see color. I shoot the bad guys. And then like a crazy white dude comes on and he's like, yeah, why have power? And he's, and then LaRusso has like a switch turned on. If he's like, we are not the same. America's great because everyone is has an opportunity and blah, blah blah and and the show wants you to think like yeah no like he's he runs deeper than you think I'm like no no he's a toxic awful person I don't like him none I wouldn't it, it it's weird because I feel like he just in his eye the character's eye he just saw somebody who murdered a fellow officer yeah, and so he wanted justice because this person got off from drug charges and everything. But I understand the perception of everyone else being like white cop, black victim. The, the, also, the weeks who kills the officer, it happened in a shootout. It was there. It was it was it wasn't it was a chase, and then in a in a panicked shootout, yes. he shot to defend himself, and it hit a cop. It's not like he like did this whole calculated thing as like this evil genius he's you know uh a man in poverty who was in the middle of a car chase with cops and and did a thing and it resulted in the death of a cop this guy was like sought him out right him and shot him in his home like it was it, it was a very different situation one of these guys is more like freddy krueger than the other is all I know. <laughs> uh, but then it, but then that's one of the storylines going yeah. through this whole series is LaRusso's trial and mm-hmm. like the effect that one toxic cop has on the precinct because then his partner is looked down upon, especially since he was like the whistleblower of all of it. Yeah. And and he gets a new partner and he doesn't like him because he's like annoying and trying to be a good guy, but he doesn't really know how to be. I was, again, this most recent episode... LaRusso's old partner has a new partner who is like such a Pollyanna and he they have they like have to clear out a homeless camp and he like feels really bad about it he's like this isn't actually solving homelessness so he buys a homeless guy lunch and then like tries to give him a motivational speech on like how to stop being homeless yes 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 that it (sighs) that's where a song could have been a hundred easy ways to not be homeless um, and what's really sad is that I was expecting LaRusso and his lawyer that he bangs to have a duet of some point, and and they don't. They I wanted them. We're going to fuck duet. And yes. the fact, John, I'm not one to just shout homophobia, but the fact that there is not a single we're going to fuck duet is homophobia. I, yes. Yeah, All well, no, they, well, there kind of is one with vicky quinn and the other guy and her partner but like the fantasy number or is, is that after is this later in the season that the fantasy number that happened like we could be rich one day right where it's like we we could be fucking but like you're clearly married 
And they're both oh, very respectful of that. I mean, that's definitely the undertone is like the whole thing with their dynamic is like, and Vicky Quinn is uh, and Bobby, everybody. And she's married to the coroner. Who's her husband in this? In the who's precinct? also a detective. Yeah. Who fucking <laughs> eats food at a crime scene. Do you remember this? The, yes. the episode where he like has to start losing weight for his health <laughs> yeah. and, and he's like eating steamed vegetables and he's miserable and they go to a crime scene where like a mafia dude gets shot at an Italian restaurant and like all the food is still on the table. He sits down and starts eating the food next to the dead body, which like girl been there, but have some decorum. But also evidence I know, and blood well, could be in there. You don't know what's in the food. There could be evidence in there. You... <laughs> I'm but sorry, Mr. Mr. and Bobby, you are eating the evidence. Can you take your fat ass and go over there? That's the other part. The point about this show is like everyone is terrible at their jobs. All of like, them. Like you think you think like Grey's Anatomy is bad, where everyone's fucking in the break room. No, they are. This one, they they are covering shit up and showing you. And like that's not new for us. We've seen cop movies, TV shows where they do that, but like. I don't know. They were trying for real uh, fantasy realism in a way, which I know that those are two opposing adjectives. I don't think the fantasy was supposed to be how the law works. I think the fantasy was supposed to be people don't break out into song. Unfortunately, both of them were not realistic in any way. This show has a very loose uh, touch on uh, the show has a very loose grip on how the law works. Did, but you get to the, did you get to the plastic surgery number, by the way? Yes. Oh, wait, girl, that's like the second episode. We no, we, no. Okay. No. The Andy, poor, that poor woman, first of all. I'm only six episodes in, but we are putting a pin in the mayor and her whole story arc because, my God, do they drop her be- wanting to be a senator the moment she gets hot. And we will get to that. But, oh, and, girl. And her giant hair. hair. <laughs> it's, yeah. Just like... That puts that puts Trixie Mattel's wigs to shame. Truly, tr- okay. We we are gonna put a pin in that because that whole everything that has to do with the mayor is actual camp. Like, because the, the the thing about this show is that it's not camp enough for me to be like everyone's got to sit down and watch it. It's insane. It's it's just a lot of stretches of it are just super boring, and then something insane happens. But it's not Christmas on the Square from start to finish. It is like no, it's it's. It's like a really bad episode of Law and Order Special Victims Unit. Like like not bad as in like, oh my god, this is they went there, but bad as in like you guys are clearly like on yeah. vacation somewhere and wrote this and didn't put give any fucks. This is so Christmas on the Square is 90 minutes long. These are 11 episodes, each one is 40 minutes. So it's like you broke up Christmas on the Square into 11 pieces and surrounded it with a filler episode of law and order not even a good one yeah the, like one of the bum ones yeah the, one of the ones that like even usa doesn't show because they're like meh yeah like, we, we're, we're better than this we, we, we know we're usa but we're better than this i i am so excited to hear what you say about the rest of the series because like there's one did, you didn't get to the episode where LaRusso uh, presents an award or something, right? He's oh. at a presentation. Oh, he's at some sort of presentation. And then there's these this band um, called Brenda and the Bus Monsters. Uh-huh. And I don't know if they're real or not. I didn't look. At, I, that's the weird thing about this show where it's like there's so 
many people that you see nowadays and you're like oh my god you are in this but like also there are some people that are like why aren't you a a, a singing sensation like or a big musical theater actor there's a lot of talent on that screen that's not i don't want to you know undermine a lot of the performers talents and when i like speak negatively of miss bobby's performance Everyone who listens to me on your podcast knows how much I adore Smile. And I have spoken very highly of her performance in Smile. She takes, Robin is so easily a wet blanket role and she does a really good job of like not making you annoyed. She's just not used well in this and she's like not right for it either. It's just, it's all bad around. Um, but I have a lot of notes. I just like would kind of, I would watch and like every now and then pop in a thought. Uh, <laughs> first of all, the way that this show begins from the pilot episode immediately, you, it just comes off like a procedural. You know, they're they're about to do this big r- drug raid and all this stuff. And it's dimly shot and it's in the middle of night. And it's all this stuff. And then they go in and they do the raid and they get Jess's mom with her baby and the, and the drugs. And as they're all coming out, like, I think it's Weeks, the one who LaRusso shoots at the end of the first episode. He comes out in handcuffs and then, like, starts to rap about his rights and then everybody else starts to rap in the streets like uh in these streets we got the power it's four minutes until this begins so (laughs) we have four minutes of the wire law and order nypd blue into top that and if there's one thing in a musical you have to do the moment it begins is you have to set up what we're in for there's a reason why almost every musical has an opening number, or at the very least, has music has like musical theatery music playing underneath. If like a song doesn't start in the first 90 seconds, it those 90 seconds are leading up to a song. This is just four minutes of like, that's awesome, move, 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 break in, all this shit. And then it's and it's so it's fucking whiplash. And then we go into the Randy Newman opening song where he's like, everybody's a cop and it's rock. <laughs> But in that, I don't understand that opening number, the the opening credits number, because like they're all hanging out in a studio. Yeah, all the actors hang in the studio watching Randy Newman rock out. I'm like, oh, so we this is this is not the show. These are the actors coming together to watch the show get put together. I don't know. Oh, I also wrote down this line uh, when Vicky Quinn and guy she wants to fuck her partner who she wants to fuck her in the car. And again, we love expositional dialogue. So they're flirting and she's like, you'll have to ask my husband about that. Yes, that is right. You are married. It's like that kind of conversation. Uh, he says to her, you're such a control freak. When you have sex, you're always on top, I bet. And she's like, and she's like, first of all, what the fuck are these lines? And that's when she's like, yes, ask my husband. There's also talk of prostates in the in the first episode. The, the, I mean, the show is written by men. It's all men. And then they bring in some women like Vicky Quinn and the mayor are really the only two women who are series regulars. Yeah. And Vicky Quinn is being accused of um, wanting to cheat on her husband, even though the whole time she's just like, Hey husband, I love you. I married you. And he's like, no, 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 I'm a schlub. You want to go with the hot young guy. And then also the mayor, people are like, you're ugly. You need plastic surgery in order to not be ugly and be more popular popular girl they're like she she gets told she's the mayor of los angeles and she gets told you have what it takes to become senator we want to back you the problem is we did a focus testing group and everyone agrees you're the ugliest woman alive which first of all she's not second of all like the fuck and she gets plastic surgery 
and all of a sudden and but then like they i don't know maybe they pick it back up again after episode six but she gets the surgery i think in episode two and then from episode three through six like it's about romance it's not about her being yeah well she she's goes with the police chief She's also incredibly corrupt. They established on the first episode that she's she's also corrupt, and they just abandoned that. Yeah, well, I mean, they kind of, I guess, stopped because they did. They were like, "Oh, we're getting canceled." Well, then, whatever. Yeah, because because the police chief, he's racist, and they try. (laughs) Oh, he in the first episode, he has a gun range in his office, and he thinks he's a cowboy. Uh, I love this show. He, so okay let's just get into the mayor the mayoress yes so played by barbara boston i believe who is an emmy winner i think for hill street blues and is actually a good <laughs> actress she's i think she's actually quite good on the show despite the fact that her material is insane and like and and the song that she has in the first episode uh yeah it's her Evita song where she's like i can't also has exposition expositional lyrics she's like i was born behind a such and such and i came to the city at this age she was such a pretty girl but like it felt like she was also not confident as a singer probably not so i'm not i don't think she's much of a singer but she's oh no she's but like they don't really i don't think they really gave her an opportunity to shine as a singer and then she's always in like five minutes of every episode give or take but her but her scene work is always the best in my opinion she has that one song after she gets hot where she looks in the mirror after her date and she's like am i a pretty girl now and it's like yes that's why you got the surgery love um but so the mayor we find out in the first episode she is corrupt and she's got like big old hair honestly when i when she came on screen in the first episode, my thoughts were not on her looks other than her hair was insane. It was like so high, comically high. But I wasn't thinking to myself in any other way outside of that. And then in episode two, oh, and again, like she's corrupt, very Ava prone. And then in episode two, she gets told, we want you to run for senator, but we did a focus testing group and everyone says you're the ugliest woman they've ever seen and you should kill yourself. And you watch her, fa- it's, this is good acting on her part because like her whole thing is it's like, I'm a tough woman. I've made it. I'm the youngest elected female in, uh, in Los Angeles history. I got here because I'm tough. And I can take it. And they say this and she keeps the the tough front, but you can definitely tell that it's that that got to her. Oh yeah. And it as it would for anyone. And so I was watching, I was like, good for you for actually acting in this moment because this, this scene is insane. And they go, well, we can offer you a plastic surgeon. He's he's discreet, he's great, and he's really quick. And she agrees to do it. And I love that she shows up with like a list of demands. I want this actress's nose, this actress's chin. I want these hips, these boobs. I'm like, this this is Sutton Foster and Violet. Give me Judy Garland's pretty chin with Grace Kelly's hair or something like that. And she gets her surgery. And she's supposed to go, she's supposed to go with the chief of police to a gala or something, right? Yeah, and then he and then he's just like, whoa, you're hot now. I'm and before, sorry. For- but before even that, he has a whole song about how he hates her and thinks that she's so ugly and awful. And before she comes to pick him up after the surgeries, which, which she recovered from very quickly, uh, usually after you get that kind of plastic surgery, you're supposed to like kind of stay indoors for a month because your face is all bruised. Uh, but a cop musical show. I know, I know. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Nothing's real. This, this is what I'm talking about, though, where you're like, oh, I think they're trying to have fantasy. I'm like, not in the real, not in the scenes. The scenes uh-huh. are trying to want it to be Hill Street Blues. 
but so he's supposed to pick her up for this gala and he's looking at a portrait of her in her office and he's just saying to himself like god mayor like you you are the ugliest woman who's ever existed god you're heinous and then she shows up looking lovely at post-surgery and he's like oh my god did her hair get bigger (laughs) (laughs) thank you for noticing because i was just like your head is smaller Yeah. So the actress who actually plays the role, they gave her like a nose prosthetic and a chin prosthetic, and then they gave her a wart and they gave her unflattering hair. What then they just took those three things away, made her hair even bigger so she could look even smaller. Uh, although she goes on that camping day with the chief of police and her hair is a little more manageable. Like it's still pretty teased, but it's not like <gasps> the camping date. Oh my god. <laughs> which I want to get to because that was the last thing I saw. So she and the chief of police go on uh, to this event. And afterwards, he kisses her, and he's like, I think I'm falling for you. I'm like, you just want to bang her. And that's when she sings her song about, am I pretty now? And they go on this camping trip because she thinks she's falling in love. He says he's falling in love. And I'm like, you literally thought she was the absolute worst five seconds ago. And he didn't get to know her and fell in love. He just saw her post-surgery and was like, damn, I want to put it in. Boner, and, yes. Boner, boner, boner alert. <laughs> on this camping trip, and she's it's there it's the worst romantic talk ever i want to sleep in your sleeping bag all right well i'll sleep in yours then no i want to sleep in your sleeping bag with you oh well that's what we're here for isn't it yes i gotta tell you though first i may be the youngest elected female official but i am the world's oldest virgin and when that happened and his response john where he says i am so blessed that you that you saved yourself for me i threw up i I literally threw up (laughs) i threw my shoe at the window and i just said i hate everything i hate please tell me by episode 11 that they kill each other please tell me no so what happens is that um news media tries to get him for sound bites on about the trial about other things that happens and he comes off as racist um well he is racist but like but like they, at first, you're just like, "Oh, that's a, ooh, that's a little weird that you're saying that." And then you're like, "Oh no, wait, you are racist." Okay, cool, 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 cool. Because like they, the first time it was, it was something that they could spin really fast. Because you know the media is also in this. And then the next time he says something off the rails, they're like, "You're fucked." Like, just stop. Just you stop need to stop talking. It, it was very. It was very Trumpian, where it's like, you need to be off Twitter, Trump. This guy is... Does she cut him off then because of all this, or are they still together? Uh, I think they stay together, if memory serves. Why do straight people stay in toxic relationships? Why do they do it? For the dick? I don't know. I don't know. People have to justify their their bullshit. Oh, also, she says... When, when they're they are talking about uh the surgeries and she'll go through with it and they go how badly do you want to be elected senator and she says how badly does a shark want a drowning fat man you know what's interesting those twins they are weinsteins and then when that when their last name was revealed i was just like i threw up again because i made me think of harvey weinstein and all that and then everything that they told her yeah yeah. Is it one of them gay though? No, um, her assistant is gay. Uh, uh-huh. and then he 
if turn uh did you see the episode where there's an uh a journalist who wants to put like put out an article about like gays and politics and everything and then she defends him by being like hey mr journalist don't do this to my friend otherwise i'm gonna out you and make your life terrible i haven't seen that yet but i just Uh, they they i got to the episode where she because in the episode where she goes camping with racist fuckboy (laughs) <laughs> and she tells her assistant she's like what about love and the assistant's like oh yes love that thing and he's just very he's like very over he's like i did the love thing once oh once. so you didn't you didn't see vicky quinn sing why can't a man be more like a woman with the other women cops i have not yet i understand that that's good or better well so what what's weird uh, about this show is that i feel like the tone of the song z- do not match the tone of this scene. So the one that you kind of talked about, the the homeless one. Yes. Where it felt like it like, I mean, it's a very upsetting scene where like they're telling these people to leave their homes, and then it's like a Bruce Springsteen style Americana rock song. And I'm like, what? <laughs> this, this doesn't fit. This doesn't go together. A lot of things don't go together. I so I sorry, I was just looking at one of my notes. We're talking about LaRusso. Vincent LaRusso was the name of the cop who uh-huh. everything like that. <laughs> yeah, Detective Marinara Sauce. I, yeah, I literally wrote, Vincent is the cop who shot the guy who shot the cop. <laughs> and yes. then I wrote, he's dating a female wrestler. He's a jerk. That's like, that's these are, these are the in-depth, super analyzed notes I'm giving this show. Oh, right. Of course. Of course. Marinara- LaRusso is dating a mud wrestler. Yes, well, for one episode. But then she almost gets killed by... Uh, a drug dealer or whatever drug dealer yeah that he's trying to do a sting operation on and he's like killer for all I care I'm gonna I'm still gonna bring you in and then he ends up bringing him in anyway without killing the mud wrestler she's like you were gonna let him kill me uh and Gina Gershon has an episode where she dates a cop so she can get away with shooting her stalker it's she dates him. the guy from fame yeah yeah, yeah. she fucks the guy from fame so she can get away with killing her stalker and I'm like girl we love a plan but but and it's also interesting who gets a song in this show? Oh, yeah. Because, like, uh, Mud Wrestler Stripper gets a song, and you only see her for that, that one episode. episode. Her song is called I Hate Love. And it's a bad song, but I like the title. And I like what I like what it's trying to do, which is she's in love and she hates it. And I'm like, yes, bitch, been there. But did you yeah. see, you saw the one, oh, crap, what is it? I don't remember what it's called, but it's the one, the lineup song. Yes, yeah. Which ends with a button of it's none of them. We're the local color. A lot of this stuff, I'm like, I like this idea that you have, but like the the words are wrong, the choreography is wrong, the mood is something is just off. Yeah. I'm like, okay. You just described a Ryan Murphy project where you're like, I love the idea. It's everything you've done with it that I hate. Yes. Yeah. 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 Don't make me. Oh. I can I can diatribe about right Miss Ryan Murphy all all day long. Gina Gershon when she stu- when she shoots her stalker and talks to, <laughs> and talks to Fame Man and because they were because he was like you used me and she goes no I actually really liked you and he shouts I wrote this down because I understand after the fact what he's saying but it just sounded like he mis he mis uh, spoke the word back he says you murdered a man you did it behind my badge and for a minute I was like did he just say back weirdly you did it behind my back like you murdered a man you did it behind my back but he was saying badge. You tried, no, I, I know what he, I know what he was saying. He, she did it under the guise of 
his of his protection of him being there being an eyewitness as a cop like he she could do it and get off scot-free so he was saying you did it behind my badge i get i get what the line means i'm saying when he first said it and it, i had to rewind i thought he said back just weirdly like you did it behind my badge and <laughs> it's, it's just one of those things it's just one of those things i also have um when the mayor and the chief of police do their kiss after her surgery after that gala she fucking goes in for it she's like slipping him all the tongue and more importantly john we have not discussed yet the baby merchant song i'm the baby merchant tots are us (laughs) i don't i want i want to go back in time and sit in the writer's room of this show and just watch just watch because you know it's guys hopped up on coke still because it like they probably they probably developed this maybe in 89 where there's still co- i mean cocaine was is always around cocaine if hasn't you, gone away if you get when so when you get to the last disc there are special features where they interview steven bochko and and bobby and steven bochko defends this that he he's like we tried it we did it i mean i i know people didn't like it but like I'm standing behind my work, which I also really appreciate because he's not like, oh, we failed. Blah, blah, I don't, blah, blah, well, you know. I think you can stand by the effort and say that the result wasn't good. It's I, I am definitely, <clears throat> I have more respect for people who create and recognize when something they did maybe wasn't as good as it could have been. And it's all subjective, right? Like Sondheim, has his things that he's like not super into and then the things that he's super proud of because it's you know in his opinion this is the closest uh, a show i wrote that was what i wanted it to be uh which he, he says assassins and i think pacific overtures were the closest in execution is like what was in his head and that every other show he did there was always like something he always felt found elusive but he he's not precious about himself yet he's also willing to acknowledge he's like you know what i'm very proud of this lyric this one little less so so, right, and and that's more so what he's doing, if memory serves. I don't know. Matt has my DVDs, guys. You can't find this on streaming, which no. is shocking. Because no. oh. there's some other bullshit on streaming services that I'm like, why not this? <laughs> I don't. I don't even know. But John. So John Oliver had a bit about this on his show last year. He had a whole se- episode about policing and opened with like a five minute diatribe about cop rock and how it just existed. And he chose. The Baby Merchant Song. And the Baby Merchant Song is pretty much the prime example I can think of of why the songs in Cop Rock don't work and why no one who worked on this show actually has worked on musical theater before. Because it's just an I Am song. Which, okay. you know, there are, there are we have those songs. We absolutely have those songs. But they have to come at the right moment. And you also have to write them in a way that it's not just people standing around while you say what you are for three and a half minutes. And in Baby Merchant, Vicky Quinn and her hot partner uh, go undercover because they want to get uh, Jess's mom, drug mom's baby back. Because she she wants her baby back, baby back, baby back. Because she sold her baby, famously <laughs> sold her baby for $200 in the first episode. And she's like, there was, she's like, there was a man and he took my baby because the lawyer said I could sell it to a man. And so like, okay, clearly there's like some kind of baby ring, which also the funny thing about this, when they're talking about like the, this, like in, this illegal baby ring, it's just a dude who takes babies from crack whores and gives them to like middle-class 
barren couples in los angeles i'm like it's not the worst setup in the world so it's basically cps in a way yeah kind of he's taking children out of crack dens and putting them into the suburbs and i'm like i'm sorry we we want to arrest this guy i mean yeah he's not doing it with any paperwork and he's pocketing all this money but he's not i don't know they they treat it like like it's jodie foster's pimp and taxi driver and i'm like he's essentially social services but but yes but he's like the batman of social services he does it in the dead of night and he's not part of any like paper trail oh my god but and then that song is followed up by the the pseudo physical no pain no gain and you're like what in the yeah. same episode <laughs> but we got to get back to baby merchant for a baby merchant so yes, yes, yes. so so Vicky Quinn and hot partner they're like okay drug mom we're going to go undercover and we're going to find baby merchant so they find the lawyer that she tells them about the lawyer who told her like you can sell your baby for money and then use the money for drugs and <laughs> uh one drug please and they meet with a lawyer and they're like, we're a barren couple, re- reproductively challenged, and we're white, and we make money. We would like to find someone who can give us a baby, please. And he eventually connects them to a baby merchant. <clears throat> they do this whole like rigmarole, and they meet him in the park, and they're like, we want a baby. He goes, well, lucky for you, I'm a baby merchant. Bow, bow. <laughs> and Vicky Quinn and Hot Partner just stand there while he dances and sings around them. It's mm-hmm. very like, sandman you know doing a bit but like you can sort of get away with that on stage in film and tv time is money time is money and people need activities to do they need a task to do so like you can't get away with a three minute i am song for a character we're never going to see again after this episode (laughs) we're not going to be emotionally invested in him so like rather than have it be i'm the baby merchant have it be like a musical scene or like have the song chopped up throughout the scene as like he introduces who he, who he is in song, and then we like have them negotiating what it is they want and what he's willing to give them. Another verse of who he is, I'm the baby merchant. And then the next verse is like negotiating the price. One more verse of I'm the baby merchant. Final bit of the scene is okay, we're gonna meet at this time, this place, bring the cash, I'll bring the baby. Last line, baby merchant, boom. But no, the show is just three minutes of I'm the baby merchant, I'm the baby merchant, I'm the baby merchant. <laughs> musical writing no one who worked on the show understands musicals and i'm devastated that Anne marie bobby did not sit down with the writers and say excuse you all i famously <laughs> turned down playing eponine and les miserables so i could play robin gibson in smile let me tell you about musicals <laughs> in her interview though she does talk about vicky quinn and the complexities of it and i was just like girl you're you, this was just a paycheck like like that final scene i told you about uh of the series where it's the two actors just sitting there shooting the shit somebody had to write that scene to make mm-hmm. it look like they were just hanging out you know that at the rap party all of them would be like yeah or, or either like furiously calling their agents crying being like find me something new this isn't going anywhere or yeah. they're like i gotta i got a gig that's fine i'm gonna uh jess's mom is like i'm gonna be in Gilmore Girls in the future. It's cool. Um... <laughs> Don't worry about me. I'll be on Gilmore Girls in 11 years. <laughs> uh, about Ann Bobby's career at this time. Okay. And I mean, she's she has worked. She's worked a lot and she's very talented. But I have to believe there's a part of her that's still salty because she got cast as Eponine in Les Miserables when that was coming to Broadway. And she turned it down to be in Smile. 
in her defense, Eponine, while like that's a great role, it's not like the lead the role of that show. Right. Whereas in Smile, she was the lead. She had been she had done the workshop, like she was a part of it. Smile runs for six weeks. Les Mis is the phenomenon it is, and Francis Raffel wins the Tony for Eponine. Granted, Francis Raffel's theater career did not go super long after that, but what have you. Then she and Jody Benson both are like in the finals to voice Ariel for Little Mermaid. Jody gets it. And Little Mermaid ends up being this huge thing, which no one saw coming because Disney animation was like on the way out. That comes out in November of 89. So Miss Bobby books Cop Rock, like probably six months later, seven months later, she's pilot. And it's like, oh my God, I'm going to be the star of a new TV show written by the guy who creates all the hit shows. Yes, Jody has mermaid, but like people are gonna know my face. I'm gonna be famous. And then it's Cop Rock. Well, so she talks she does talk about how she got in cast in Cop Rock. And apparently she was doing a show. Like she auditioned, she had her hair one style, she was doing a show, she chopped it all off, and she got cast in Cop Rock. And then the first day on set, they're like, Why did you cut your hair off? And she's like, I did it for a show. I didn't hear back from you guys. Like <laughs> I can't just sit by the phone waiting. I had to work. And so if you notice in the openings, as well as the first episode, she has longer hair. And that's because they added clip-in extensions. And then they're like, we can't do this every episode. So from two on, she has the short, very short, puffy hair. Yeah. Which I'm not a fan of it, to be honest. Not Not that my opinion matters. And also this show's been off the air for 32 years. But... I'm just saying. I watched it for the first time this week and was not a fan. <laughs> the hair in this show, not a fan. This show is also like gross 90s outfits. Like I, I, there are properties it nowadays. The 90s. Coming, the, there are properties nowadays that are talking about, that are showing idealized 80s and 90s with like the, like it's, I mean, Teen Witch was great and all, but like they're not, there are some moments of like really gross baggy beige colored stuff. And that's what's in cop rock. It's all like beiges. It's nothing but beige. Beige, beige, beige. Beige, beige, beige. And then cop uniforms. Yeah. And also um, Vicky Quinn, AKA Miss Bobby, her marriage to her husband makes no sense to me. They have no chemistry. They have no camaraderie even like, and he's, they make it, so clear to the audience that they shouldn't be together she should be with hot partner because she likes hot partner they have a rapport and her husband is older and grosser and like you know like much more of a dad figure so i would love it if they had actually uh gone into like why did you marry him exactly i mean i did forget for a while that they were married yeah they 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 present them the first episode they don't really talk about it until like episode four again and i'm just like wait you that's not your dad what and all, and also, like they don't have a lot of scenes together. No. And then when yeah. they do, it's him complaining that he's ugly and that she's going to leave him for the hot young yeah. partner. And she's like, "I've never said that." He's like, yeah. "But it's in your eyes." And she's like, "Okay, like you probably fantasize as well about being with other women, but like what? Yeah, yeah, double yeah. standards." <laughs> but yeah. then she so also then... never actually answers a question. I've noticed, like. Anytime her partner's like, do you have feelings for me? She's like, I'm married. It's like, that's not, like, you're, you're, by not answering, you are answering. And that's also a problem, I will say. Like, if, by not addressing the actual issues, 
and I, I will say this someone who's like been front row center and like been a part of some of these things where when people do not actually dig into the real issue, like the hard to face truth, it's never going to get resolved. And people will go, will like work around the issue. They will, they will tend the garden around the weeds, but not actually get the weeds. And the fact that she is attracted to her partner and probably likes being around him more than her own husband is something she actually has to admit, but she won't do it. And you have to ask yourself, well, if I like this guy who I work with and blah, 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 but I didn't marry more than my own husband, what does it say about me? What does it say about my marriage? But she's not willing to do that. Just saying. Uh, what's also, okay, so you didn't see them then go to couples counseling then. They go to couples counseling? They go to couples therapy, yeah. Where in a therapy session, Ralph is just like, either you leave your partner or you leave me. And it's like, what (laughs) because he's the he's the coroner detective person man thing and so he doesn't have a partner but it's like she didn't pick to work with him she was assigned to work with this guy yeah so but like what happens is she does go to the the captain or chief or what uh captain yes captain because the chief is the is the uh cowboy um and she's like hey captain i know you are like high stress right now because of everything that's going on and we're all coming to you with everything but can you guys switch partners and so they do and what ends up happening is that the woman that is paired with the hot uh the hot young cop it ends up <laughs> kind of sexually harassing him in a musical number jesus christ the, the number is called bumpity 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 bumpity. Here's here's the other thing though. That whole like you leave him or I or like you leave him or you leave me. Again, your relationship is not good. It's not in a good place, and it'll never be in a good place. If like you need to only exist without distractions. Like if they were, if there was trust and and stability in that relationship, he'd be like, you know what? It is like it is a blow to my ego that she's with like a hot younger guy. But also, and like that's the whole point of that first song he sings in the in the first episode. In that one long lame is take that just zooms in on him where it's like, at the end of the day, she did pick me. It's like, we gotta remember that. She did pick you. And if you have any paranoia about that, A, you gotta work on that and 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 discuss this with her of like, I sometimes I'm like, as your as your husband, I'm I know it's selfish, but sometimes I just need like a little encouragement because I get like I get in my head sometimes, like every now and then I just need you to be like, hey, I love you, I chose you, I'm happy. And he also kind of has to work on his own self-esteem. But the very idea of just him or me, it's like, dude, then you don't have a good marriage and you should just end it. Again, these straight people, these fucking straight people, John. (laughs) I am tired of all of them. I need them all to get their shit together because I'm sick to death of watching it. (laughs) This is amazing. (laughs) I'm so happy you said yes to this blindly. Thank you. You know who doesn't have a good relationship not speaking of cop rock? Meredith Grey and Derek Shepard. That relationship is toxic and awful. Will they, won't they is not a situation you ever want to have. Matt, can I just tell you something I just found out? I I realized. So the choreographer for this show, Russell Clark, also choreographed Teen Witch. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! All connected. It's all connected. But he, I mean, he's, he's done a lot of movies and stuff he choreographed uh scary movie too apparently um 
There was choreography in Scary Movie too. Sure. He unfortunately passed away oh, in uh, 2002. Um, and was he an act? He was. It looks like he was an actor in some things. <laughs> but oh, he was a dancer in Xanadu. <laughs> okay. Okay, honey. I, what if I was like, you know what I looked up, John? Half of the scenes were actually shot in Austria and then in Paris. And also they had a Christmas on the square. Just like bring it back to all the things we've talked about. And half of it was animated with an animated dragon. <laughs> That's well, the one thing missing well, from Kafka. There is no animated dragon coming out of the sea. I mean, Jess's mom could have been one. She's on the drugs seeing an animated no, she's dragon. Chasing, she is chasing the animated dragon. She's chasing the animated dragon. But yeah, the core, the choreography too for this is as bonkers as the musical numbers. Everything's bonkers. There, there, when they're singing the song to marinara sauce about like, you're going to become an American hero and all the lawyers and press team or whatever. And they're like all doing kick lines on the desks. Or on the, on that t- uh, conference table, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, pro- yes, yes. Yeah. yes, 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 yes. Where where it's these guys? They're trying. Um, they eventually is it the team that eventually pitches him things that are like, did you guys like understand anything that's going on in the world? Like, why yeah. are you letting a, a child shoot a gun or something? Yeah, <laughs> the song's called No Problem, and it's it's like his whole legal team basically uh, doing a whole big production of around him. They're like, you're gonna be fine. It's craziness this show is crazy i lost my mind though when he sang and finally in episode four and i was like okay Looking all right larusso i know took him forever to sing i was hoping he would be the one that never sang is there any character that hasn't sung by episode six i think everyone has uh yeah everyone has and then there's it feels like though that the at first i thought it was like they they hired a cast of actors to play the cops, yeah. but then the special guest stars or like the guest stars would be the voices, mm-hmm. the singing that happens. But that doesn't happen. Obviously that changes. Like it, it, I think in episode two, when they start singing in the police uh, squad room or whatever you call it. And I'm just sitting there like, okay. So, uh, and then there's some, yeah, because the first episode, none of the cops sing. It's always, it's everyone else. And then episode two is when cops were starting to sing. Yeah. And so it's just, it's just wild. I have like all these questions that I never asked you. That's because like everyone at the precinct is terrible at their jobs, right? Yeah. (laughs) Everyone there is awful. They're all bad at their jobs. Oh, here's one. On previous episodes, we've had lengthy discussions as to what a musical is or like how songs are related to everything. Did you understand any of the rules? For this show like the rules oh, of the songs yeah why do you think there were rules <laughs> you're right you're right you're right you're right <laughs> they, they just happen <laughs> sorry john how do you pronounce that word again rules <laughs> oh jody benson what's that word again rules, rules. <laughs> <laughs> um I have, would you call this like a true ensemble show? Sure, there are enough storylines. Like, well, because like, you, um, okay, to jump ahead to Glee, for mm-hmm. instance, that was supposed to be an ensemble show, but then it turned into like the Rachel Berry show, the Leah Michelle one, real I mean, fast. Kind of... Glee, I mean, I've only watched the first season of Glee, and by first season, I mean the first half of the first season. Oh, the but... good 13 episodes? 
yeah. Uh, I stopped before grilled cheeses, which I think is that's that is season one. This is trying to be an ensemble show in the way that I felt like Glee was trying. And I I know other characters had storylines in Glee at some point. People keep sending me like clips from the show. And I'm I know people like got their moment in the sun, but it feels like there's sort of a it's like Grey's Anatomy in a way where it's like there's a hierarchy of the regulars. Like there are four characters who are definitely like they're always A plot lines. And then we have the characters who are always B plot lines. So everyone, everyone's always going to get screen time. Some people are just going to get more than others. And not everyone's going to get a song every week. But right. everyone's going to have screen time every week. So like Vicky and her partner are definitely main characters. Marinara Sauce, main They're character. Main character, yeah. Um, and then Marinara Sauce's old partner and new, and that old partner's new partner, I would say are B level regulars. Like they are in every episode. They they always have at least two scenes, but they're not super important. The mayor is always going to have at least two scenes, uh, but it's not really that important. Um, connected to the mayor is going to be there as well, but they just they're there because they're connected to the mayor. She is always the star of her two scenes. So yes, ensemble in the sense that no one person dominates and no storyline is fully developed because we're spending all this time going through multiple storylines. But there is definitely a hierarchy. So Officer Gaines is the one that's that you were talking about earlier is the one that um, try to save homelessness. Yeah, the one who's trying to solve homelessness. But I felt I felt like he should have like he's a really great singer and he sings a lot in the show. Um, There's that one scene early on where he's singing Motown songs just in the car. Yeah, and they're in the car, and I was like, "This is pretty awesome! Like, you have you have a real voice." I did find out they did record live the songs; they didn't go to a studio or anything. I could tell that during uh, the Olivia Newton-John physical number with Ugly Old Husband, because I was like, "Oh, that's not in the studio; that's that's live." And like Stephen Bochco d- did talk about it, where he was just like, "We wanted it to not." feel he wanted it to feel like in the universe not like separated and obviously this is before auto-tune was everywhere so you got what you got with these people and like i i i do want to reiterate like yes the show is bonkers but the cast showed up they showed up is top notch across the board i will say that uh, even yes. even if there's acting that I'm not super into, the singing across the board is top notch. Again, we've discussed this mayoress, not the best of singers, but I think the best actress on the show by far. And when she is singing, she puts something behind it. So it's not like, oh, yeah. she's not Barbara Streisand, but you know, she very, sells it. Absolutely sells it. You get the emotion, you get the storytelling behind it. Do you or, think Do you think this would make more sense if it was set in New York City? The only reason why I say that is because then we have Broadway. And like that's where musical theater is, and so it kind of makes sense if, like, to me, it kind of would make sense um, because then we'd also have Broadway talent go on that show, go on the show. You could get more Broadway talent if you shot the thing in New York, but changing locations is ultimately rearranging the chairs on the deck of the Titanic. Like this thing is going down, no matter where. No matter I kind of. I kind of had a fantasy that this would turn into an anthology series and that every season would be in a different city. 
I would just want different professions for each one. So after cop rock, we get law rock. And then <gasps> yes! rock, we get we get med rock. And then after uh, for like medical, we get fire rock. For firefighters, yeah. <laughs> uh, I know Stephen Bochco's dead, but Stephen Bochco's ghost or his estate. You're listening. I know you are. <laughs> yes. We're reviving everything these days. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's, Let's, I mean, I feel like a Law & Order musical type show would work nowadays because we because now like we're getting more musical movies back we're getting more musical tv shows or tv episodes so like i feel like it could work whether or not it's good is another question but like (laughs) it depends uh have you seen the matilda film yet yes okay i i really really liked it and I, I'm a big fan of the stage show. What makes that movie work so well is the fact that it's a story and an environment and a tone that's all just a little ridiculous, intentionally so. Like the movie of Matilda begins with Miracle, how they do it with the babies. And they're like, this is just going to be weird. You're either in or you're out. But by seeing that kind of weird and having a sense of humor about it, the songs make sense. They feel organic. Something like a Law and Order where you got Sam Watterson in his law office talking about a trial about a you know a bunch of guys who did a gangbang (laughs) of a mentally less developed woman, which is a true episode. That's a Lauren Ambrose episode. Uh, Like that is that does not provide song and. If you try, like, you either had to go, like, a camp way, in which case it becomes offensive, or you try to go the earnest way, and then to that just becomes camp. And I just feel like it's a losing battle either way. And I think Cop Rock is kind of showing us that. You can't really discuss the nitty-gritty like this and then do songs that are, like, pop rock power ballads. I think musicals can absolutely deal with real tough subjects, and there are many that do and do it very successfully, but not a show like this. At this one. I do have to say, though, I got to give them credit because it's all original songs. There's four to five original songs per episode. Yeah. I mean, besides uh, Anne, Bobby, I don't really think anyone had a prolific theater, musical theater career. I think yeah. these were all actors that can carry a tune, basically. Except for uh, Paul McCrane, uh fame guy. He was... Yeah. Um, famously saying the body electric and fame yeah yeah there were so many elements that i appreciated and really went for and like i did love the camp factor that accidentally happened or intentionally happened in some scenes but like yeah i understand why this is a hard sell i mean they especially 1990 again as you said credit words too they like they committed hard to it but you know i could commit really hard to performing heart surgery doesn't mean I'm the right person to do it. No, no, no. But like, what what I mean is like everyone who worked on the show, and this is what makes the show live in infamy is no one half-assed it. Everyone tried really hard, but there's a thing. Have you seen, I keep referencing other shit, but like, have you watched Glass Onion yet on Netflix? Oh yeah. Well, so like one of the things that Glass Onion kind of goes on about is how when people are successful, we just think that they know what they're doing or like they're always going to make the right decisions. And you can know what you're, you can be successful and know what you're doing in some respects, but you're also going to make mistakes. And this 
at this show is a bit of hubris because everyone involved had a lot of success behind them and none of them thought huh do any of us actually know how to make musicals do we know what it is that makes musicals work and the truth is that no they did not and that i that's why i say the heart surgery thing it's like you know a for effort and it's a noble thing to try but what we learn watching it is that no one involved understood what it was they should have done and we're grateful for it because if they learned at some point over the over those 11 episodes we might accidentally get a good thing and that's less interesting at this point to me than all the bad things we got with this show like i would actually i think i would be very angry if it was 10 episodes of crazy and then the final episode they actually got it right and I'm like, how dare you, as you get canceled, finally crack the code. You know what? Let me know when you're done. We will probably do another episode real quick to be for, to wrap up. To be like, okay, what did you think of the last five episodes that we should we should, we should call this cop uh, Matt Coplick, cop rock cop rock episodes one through six. I will. You know what? I will. And then we'll come Great. back and do another episode of seven through eleven. Um seven eleven? Seven eleven. Seven eleven. Um, and then you know what? I guess we'll just leave it off here. We won't do sharp and flat because you didn't watch the full season and I don't want you to do a half-assed sharp and flat. Or do you want to? Steve Boschko did not half-assed cop rock. I will not half-assed sharp and flat. Um, Not half-assed sharp and flat. Okay, so can I at least, can we do like a sharp and flat up until this moment? Just like a very quick one. How about you do your sharp and flat and then I'll do mine in the second episode because mine has more involved. Sharp. Flat. Sharp. Constantly going, oh, I know them from actors that were in other things. Like Gina Gershon. Like Jess's mom. Like Samantha Jones's sex buddy. Like Ann Bobby. Did you also pick up on Carl Anderson, the judge in the first episode? Yes, I did. And then also Ann Bobby's husband has been in a lot of stuff. I recognized him from things, but I didn't know from what. And then also there is um, Vody Curtis Hall, who plays... Um, he's with, he's the commander. He tells, chief, he tells the chief, like, what it is to love a woman. He has that song. Yes. Uh, he's in a lot of things. Like, I, I saw him and I was like, oh, you're so young. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yes, that's my one sharp of uh, constantly going, oh, you. Uh, neutral, the songs, because they perked me up. And then the flats, all the talking. That is, that's where I'm at right now. Okay. So, would you add any from episodes one through six? Would you add any of the songs to your life's playlist? The song about plastic surgery. <laughs> oh, Matt, this is gonna. They start listing all the different jobs you can get for plastic surgery: nose job, boob job, ba da ba da Thousand percent. Um. So we're gonna leave it at this for now. I know when I told you originally about doing this, I was like, it might be a two-parter, it might be a one-parter. You accidentally made it a two-parter. Huzzah! My, uh-huh. my dragging my feet with this show has made it a two-parter. You're welcome, listeners. So, and then, you know what? I will save my fun story that I have for the next episode. Matt, yeah. what, what do you have to plug and or promote? My podcast, Broadway Breakdown, is uh, on a hiatus while we get ready for part two of the series the big move but that should be coming back soon we record a couple of episodes this week and by this week i mean while you and i record not while this episode comes out (laughs) uh and that is 
it. Uh, we wrote our first play in December of 2022. So we actually have some readings of that coming up this month and possibly even a workshop. Uh, well, I, I'm not usually so gun ho about like promoting myself with this kind of stuff, but uh, we're being a bit more of a whore this year and, and telling people the things we did and getting it out there, John. I'm so proud. I can't, I let me know. I, I want to see things. I will see things. Absolutely. Absolutely. I won't even, I won't even ask for a comp. <laughs> oh, she won't even ask for a comp. We'll find you a discount. Okay, great. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll rig the lotto so you can at least win the $30 ticket. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and if you want to be part of, well, no, what am I doing? You're, we're ruining everything. We're going against the grain. Um, and if you, I don't know, were in Cop Rock, let me know. Are you Ann Bobby? Are you listening to this? Please let me know. Ann Marie Bobby, if you're listening, goddamn, please contact me finally. I've been Con- writing for you for years. Contact and uh, contact Matt because Ann, he loves you. Uh, and if you want to contact me for whatever reason, uh, you can email me at buttasungpod at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at buttasungpod. Um, tell me how you heard of Cop Rock. And you guessed it, the next episode, we're just going to finish this because Matt needs to watch it. Matt, you really need to watch that last episode. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get to the this is me part of the finale because my God, does that sound wonderful. I don't think I did it justice because when you watch it, you're going to lose your fucking mind. You never do anything justice. I you never do like- anything. When we talked about the King and I animated film, I got angry with you because you were not properly expressing how insane it was. You were so into the dragon. I was like, John, it's the dragon's just one of 9,000 crazy things. Yeah, but the dragon is what made me lose my mind and I forgot the rest of it. <laughs> you would go to sleep no more and you would get distracted by the things like hidden in the drawers. And I'm like, there's a whole show going on around you, John. I would. I, I'd be like, like, look at there are four look at different this colors home. of socks in this drawer. I'm like, oh, this office chair has a substance. I'm like, John, <laughs> people are fucking right next door. Gotta watch that. It's part of the plot. John, boobs everywhere. Wall to wall, boobs. And I'm like, and I'd be like, look at this comb, Matt. <laughs> I, and that's exactly how I would say it too. I go, John, boobs. Boobs. <laughs> boobs. Well, Matt, you're we're really gonna be testing my my memory with the next episode but we're gonna do it we're gonna fucking do it we're gonna finish cop rock because you need to i need to hear you talk about the finale thank you matt for coming on and somehow we're i'm gonna make an episode out of this (laughs) somehow thank you for having me i mean i hate you for making me watch this but i'm i think i'm better as a human being for having watched some of it and i will look forward to the human being i become by finishing it (laughs) you're gonna be a different person post cop rock Truly new year, new me. Am I right? You're going to look at the world so differently and be like, oh, those cops would be dancing right now. I'm going to change my last name from Matt Coplick to Matt Coprock. That's <gasps> oh, I didn't even put that connection together. I just did at this moment. That's what we call genius, Jen. Bravo. Bravo. And um, I, we have to stop on that note because that was just genius. So bye, everyone. Bye. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.